0: hawks Hawks, live every thursday from seven to nine live on air on 710 espn seattle now here's your host paul moyer and michael
1: bumpus what's up folks i am michael bumpus no paul moyer today we have dave wyman and you're listening to hawks live from Vmac. the show starts every thursday at seven right here on 710 espn dave is this real life is this is this real? It's football season upon us. We got a game on right now: the Chiefs versus the Texans.
2: The Hawks are getting ready to go. Are you excited? As excited as I am right now. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this for what six months now. Since we uh, we've been locked down, and yeah, it's just it's really cool. And I I love the way the NFL has handled it. Yeah, man. they've done such a good job. You, you've been watching Hard Knocks at all? Yes. You, you see how they're. Apparently, Goodell said, "Look, hey, we're going to take this very seriously," and mm. you know, there's uh there's some money to be made in the NFL and so they wisely (laughs) did it very uh, a very good way as far as the testing and everything so um, yeah really happy about that love the way the Seahawks are doing it they're doing it you know first class and uh, yeah we're going to hopefully be able to get through this thing play all 16 get to the playoffs and uh, really exciting team too that's the thing I was worried about Michael the more I look at this team I'm like "Ah, I just I can't wait to watch them play this Mm -hmm. year and you know being interrupted by by COVID-19 would be such a bummer but hopefully they're able to to keep doing what they're doing and it's going to be a good year well they're off to a good start i mean so
1: far no hiccups they've done all the testing everyone's negative there's been a couple hiccups as far as personnel or admin people who who work for organizations but you said it there's money to be made and they have money to spend so they're able to really use their resources to make sure these guys are safe during this whole thing so let's get right into it Dave. they had cuts on saturday they got a 53 man roster now what are your overall thoughts on this team. Let's start with the defense. His overall thoughts on the defense so far.
2: Well, you saw what I saw coming out here. It's just different. It really is from last year and been comparing it quite a bit to 2013. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, you know, they they've gotten so good at safety and I thought that was what made those teams, you know, when they had that run where they were the number one scoring defense. Yeah. And and the other thing that you see out here is the defense is actually winning the 7 on 7 uh drills and that's usually set up for the offense you know so that's the two things you see the other thing I would say is that uh Marquise Blair is just an entirely different player Mm -hmm. and the other thing would be if you didn't know who Jamal Adams was (laughs) you would be out here going who is number 33 I mean it's it's no joke he makes plays like, if they have a 10-play, you know, uh, scrimmage or whatever, he's making two, three plays, whether it's a tackle for a loss, a pick. I mean, he's just all over the place. So I I thought last year that was really, uh, you know, the safety play was, was where they really needed to improve, and they certainly
1: did. Yeah, they improved at the safety position. And on defensive line as well, I know there's a lot of people they are going to say, well, they didn't get Clowney. Uh, Fowler was out there. A, a bunch of other guys they could have went. Everson Griffin didn't get that guy, but they did pick up Benson Mayo. Um You got Bruce Irvin who's going to help there. And let's not forget, I always mention LJ Kohler because I have to remind folks, he only had 150 snaps last year. Right. So to me, he's still a rookie. He might not be a rookie on the roster when you see the year next to his name, but the guy hasn't had a lot of snaps. So he's got a lot to prove. And then you hear guys like Alton Robinson who had a good camp um, getting – taking the reps of Daryl Taylor because he's out with an injury. So, yes, the defensive line, they did not make the moves that people may have wanted on that defensive line, but I feel like they've gotten better. I would say they've gotten
2: at least 12 sacks between Ben Mayo and Bruce Irvin alone, right? Well, yeah, that, and also, uh, what about, I mean, I think the coverage is going to provide that as well. I mean, we never said there was a a coverage sack last year. Um, One guy they did sign, though, that re-signed, but Jared Reed, I think is a difference maker. Mm -hmm. And I I think for this thing to work, I think he's going to live up to that 10-sack guy that he was a couple of years ago and not what he was last year. He was, you know, short in season with the suspension, but he's really important. But there was nobody like Bruce Irvin in camp last year as far as an edge rusher until Clowney got here. And really, Clowney is – Uh, I think he's a better run player. He was just disruptive in general. But as far as Bruce, his athleticism is still there. He's versatile. They can use him at linebacker. He can, you know, rush the quarterback, of course. And then, you know, with all the the tight coverage, I think, that they can play. They didn't play hardly any man, man man-to-man last year just because they wanted to keep everything in front of them. So, yeah, it's just a – it's just and then you know you look at linebacker i mean they're how do you get cody barton on the field how do you get jordan (laughs) brooks on the field i mean you got kj and bobby so i mean they're just they're really deep in a lot of positions i thought that was the thing coming in was and i'll go a little bit on offense tight end and running back really crowded rooms same thing with defensive backs and and linebackers yeah yeah and now i I
1: appreciate the depth at linebackers. I know you have Bobby Wagner, you got KJ, you got Bruce Irvin. But we're looking at the future as well, in my opinion. Jordan Brooks is going to be here for a while. I think Cody Barton will be here for a while. And these guys get to learn behind two of the greatest linebackers to ever play in this organization. One, Hall of Fame linebacker and Bobby Wagner. So I appreciate the fact that they're not going to be forced into action right now, right? They're not going to depend on these guys to make plays. They're going to depend on these guys to give Bobby a drink and give KJ a drink. But um, the talent behind these guys is very promising. Being a former linebacker, what are your thoughts on Jordan Brooks so far?
2: Well, he's looked really good. I mean, one thing that's just what your eyes tell you is that dude showed up in shape. Mm -hmm. So, And and getting back to LJ Collier really quick, he said he wasn't in shape last year. It's not because he was lazy. It was just because he didn't really know what it took to get into shape for an NFL season. Uh, Jordan Brooks showed up and pretty much show that he did know what what it meant to, <laughs> to show up in shape so he looks really good he's got this pop in his pads we had at the uh the scrimmage that they had over at the century there was a couple tackles that he had where you just hear this pop you know and you see like an explosion at the last second so plus i love his linebacker eyes he's just <laughs> he looks mean and there i just want to see him play nastier on defense but you're right i mean it's it's these guys are the linebackers of the future Cody Barton and, and Jordan Brooks, but, but there's no pressure to get those guys in the field. You don't have to have them perform because you have Bobby and KJ. So, And then, you know, Cody is coming back, and it's his second year. I talked to him the other day, and he loves to talk. He talks fast, too. <laughs> yes, he does. He was talking about how I'm just able to process things so much faster, and I'm seeing everything and this and that. But But for Brooks, I mean, and him, too, really – how great is that? Not only you have Bobby and KJ, which I think is the best linebacker tandem in the NFL, uh, Hall of Famer for for Bobby. KJ's probably a Ring of Honor guy. You also got Ken Norton. Yeah. I, if you look around the league, you know, because you see coaches that uh, sprinkled around the league that played in the NFL, I think Kenny might be the best player then and – what a great you know depth of knowledge that he has, so i 've seen Jordan out there, you know kind of soaking it in from those guys every day and this is a franchise today we talked to Freddie Swain on the on the huddle, and he was talking about how. It was so cool the way the veterans treat the young guys mm-hmm. and how they just bring them along and, you know, they they share all their information. And so that's what, you know, Pete has – that kind of comes from the top down, and that's what Pete has preached, and it's going to pay off for these young guys. So I'm sure you guys can hear the excitement
1: in Dave's voice talking about the defense. Let's go to O now, Dave. How's that offense <laughs> we looking? We got DK coming back. Pete Carroll is raving about DK, saying he's had the best camp out of anybody in V Mac right now, and that's saying a lot. You still got number three out there. Uh, you still got Tyler Lockett out there. Um, I'm expecting him not to make a huge jump because I feel like he did a lot as right. a, as a rookie, but um, make a jump. My my critiques for for DK were okay. You got to be able to play inside and outside, and just look more secure catching the ball and listening to you talk and heaps talk and everyone else who's been at camp. It seems like he's doing just that. He's getting moved around. He's catching the difficult football. What have you seen out of DK?
2: Yeah somebody said this today that he's like learned all of the spots and so they can pretty much line him up anywhere and I can't remember if that was Pete Carroll or in and, and or maybe he was talking about it but remember when he how raw he was I mean you yeah. watched him when he came out of Ole Miss I mean he he didn't run a whole lot of different routes but he sure picked things up quickly and now he's just that much better so yeah I He was only 10 targets away from being the number one receiver last year because he had 100 targets, and I think uh, Tyler Lockett had 110. This is a team that's not going to throw the ball a whole bunch, but when you do, it's nice to have that big-bodied guy. you know. And then you have a guy like Tyler Lockett who's fast. So the other thing I love about those guys is that they – the personality of that group is like there's enough to go around for everybody. So when they do – throw ball because we we were talking about antonio brown at one point i mean he 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 complained in a game where he had 17 targets 17 targets yeah so i mean these guys (laughs) you may not get you know seven or eight here you know sometimes so that's uh that's the the beauty of of that group and uh yeah I've, i've loved watching dk i just think his personality his work ethic his connection to his family that uh his dad played in the nfl his yep. uncle played in the nfl it's it's really helping him out i think it's he can even have a better year than he had last year
1: i think he can have a better year i think russell has some things to prove you got a running back and chris carson you add carlos hyde you still have dj dallas who's a rookie making a bunch of noise Spots to fill on that offensive line. Postig has won the center job. You got Damian Lewis, the rookie at right guard. You're bringing Brandon Shell at that tackle spot. I'm filling this offense right now, Dave. I think they're going to be super explosive and might surprise some teams. All right, coming up next, we'll dive into the Week One opponent, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, with Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal Constitution right here on Hawks Line.
0: hawks live every thursday from seven to nine live on air on 710 espn seattle
1: you are listening to hawks live live from VMAC every thursday seven o'clock we'll be right here i'm your host michael Bumpers along with my guy dave wyman and today we get to talk to orlando ledbetter from the atlanta atlanta journal constitution orlando how you doing man
3: hey i'm doing pretty good michael and dave thanks for having me on the show this evening
1: Hey, we appreciate you hanging in there. We know it's late out there, man. So uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your day. Let's talk about these Falcons, man. What's the overall feel of this football team? Last year, they were a second half team. They won six out of eight of their games, so ended on a high note. Are they riding that momentum? What's the feel surrounding the Atlanta Falcons?
3: Yeah, a little, uh, you know, skepticism and hope. You know, you don't know if uh, you can carry over uh, uh, all that stuff from a six and two uh, you know, uh finish the last season because, you know, you changed out so many players. It's twenty new players. Uh the core is back, but can they can they do it? Can they put together a defense? Can they uh stop people? They had trouble doing that in the first half of the season. Then the second half against the lighter of schedule they made, hey.
2: Hey, Orlando, so you, you mentioned some new guys and you're probably gonna get you're probably tired of being asked this already, but Todd Gurley, you know, I being in the NFC West, of course, we've faced him a number of times and you know, there was times I, I thought maybe there was something with his knee, then there's other times I'm no, he's still Todd Gurley, but Matt Ryan had some good things to say about him. What do you what do you think? What's your prediction, what are you hearing about uh, about his health and how Todd Gurley can help this offense this year?
3: Yeah, he has a chronic left knee. That's no uh, ifs, ands, and buts about that. He heard it back at Georgia, so people around here know about it. But you can manage it. You know, you can't run him 30 times a game. So he said today, we talked to him today, said, hey, I'm feeling great. I'm doing what I need to do. Uh, you know, if I need to take a day off, i take a day off. But I need to get rest. And then, you know, I, I know I got to get practice, too. So he does that, and he's been doing a pretty good job of that uh, so far, managing that knee. Now, if they get in the game and start trying to run him 25, 30 times, uh, he's probably not going to make it through the season. But if you can run him, you know, 13 times, throw him four or five passes, get up to that 17 touches a game that they had last year, that might be the way to go with Todd Gurley. And uh, I think the Falcons are – uh, well aware of that. they got three uh, running backs behind him to go in and uh, uh, do the job by committee if he's not up to 100%. Hey,
1: Orlando, there's no way we can talk about the Falcons and not mention Julio Jones. He's had six straight seasons with 80 receptions and 1,300 yards. Is there any sign of this young man slowing down? Uh,
3: not so far. And, uh, you know, I think he's uh, at least around here. Uh, you know, Roddy White once he was 33. So we, we yeah, that's kind of the benchmark for Falcon receivers because, uh, Roddy, uh, owned all the records that, uh, before Julio came along. So he's 31. He should have at least a couple more years, at least one more year. And, uh, you know, maybe two this year next. And then at 33, we'll start kind of looking at him crazy because that's when Roddy, uh, shut it down. But, You know, the old-time receiver, Charlie would went until he was 40. So, uh, (laughs) I don't know if uh, Julio's made like that. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the benchmark on how far and how old you can play and uh, uh, how, how long you can get after it.
2: Yeah, I read today Dirk Cutter wants to get him in the red zone a little bit more. And I was looking – I mean, you look at the yardage that he has, Orlando, and then you look at the touchdowns, like six and change a year. That's not very many for for Julio Jones. And I know Matt Ryan loves him and everything, but it sounds like they they want to get him going in the red zone a little bit.
3: Yeah, but um, what they do in the red zone is they run people behind Julio and guys like Justin Hardy's got nine career touchdowns, catching balls off of Julio. So they still score off of Julio in the red zone. Julio just doesn't get the touchdowns. <laughs> but uh, And so he's, he uh, and, um, he draws such a crowd that guys like Edo Smith end up with four or five touchdowns. And right. Justin Hardy, who didn't get signed back by his team, he's got nine career touchdowns. I'm sure uh, eight of them were running behind Julio. So you know they'll run uh, a lane behind them and break the guy off, and the people will stay with Julio. They're not going to leave Julio, but they'll surely leave Justin Hardy or and uh, Russell Gage to get those, and then maybe uh, Ty Gurley will get some of those uh, uh, Julio related um, touchdowns in the red zone. He just uh, he draws the crowd down there. It's tight, and it's easier to cover him in that area.
1: Orlando, there are a couple things the Atlanta Falcons and the Seattle Seahawks have in common, one being that they had 28 sacks in the NFL, bottom of the league with the Detroit Lions. Now, you add a guy like Fowler, you have Grady coming back, you, the, the rookie A.J. Terrell is out there making plays. What are the expectations for this defense? Over here, people are excited. Are the Atlanta Falcons fans excited about the additions to this defense? Yeah, they like Fowler.
3: They saw him play, uh, at Florida, and they think he can, you know, he's the upgrade over Big Beasley. What they really like to see is, uh, you know, Tack McKinley on the other side coming to things. He, he got up there on draft night and said he wanted to make his grandmother proud. Uh, so far he hasn't done that, and his grandmother's probably mad at him. So, <laughs> maybe,
1: uh,
3: so the, uh they, they didn't give him his, uh, $10 million, uh, you know, fifth year bonus either, so. Uh, maybe there's some incentive for him to come out and play at a high level and maybe he can, uh, help out Fowler with Grady Garrett coming up the middle chasing guys out. Uh, you know, they're hopeful that they can get a pass rush. They're probably not as optimistic as you all are with getting, uh, getting Vincent back and getting, uh, Bruce Irvin back to, to lead the charge for the Seahawks.
2: Hey, uh, Orlando, what about Keanu Neal? And, you know, we know how safety play is important in, uh, you know, a Pete Carroll defense, similar defense there with Dan Quinn being a disciple. He's only played in four games last year. And I talked to somebody today that thought, you know, that guy's, if he can be healthy and he can come back and, and play, that'll really help that defense. What's, what's his status and outlook for the season?
3: Yeah, he, we spent a lot of time on that, talking to him and his trainers, uh, down in Miami, and they're projecting a, of course they are, he was paying them a full recovery. Uh, he's looked pretty good, uh, at practice. So, you know, they, they've got a, uh, a defense now where they're going to play some big, uh, safe, big, uh, big nickel with three safeties, and he's a key because he's the enforcer in that group. He's their poor man's camp Chancellor, uh, lays the wood when he's healthy. So, the Falcons, if they get him back, uh, and then nobody's, everybody's knocking on wood because he's missed two years pretty much. He lost the, uh, 2018 season with a knee injury in the season over at Philly and then went down in game three, uh, against the coach last year. So everybody, whatever he brings, um, it's going to be bonus. And if he can make it all the way back to where he was a pro bowler in, uh, 2016, uh, when 17, I'm sorry. Uh, then that would be a super bonus. You got a whole new different defense.
1: Orlando, we went all this time and then say one thing about Matt Ryan. This guy had a franchise record, 11 games with 300 passing yards last year. How's the general looking? Is he looking to repeat uh, another great offensive season?
3: Oh, he's really excited about Ty Gurley because uh, with Ty Gurley, then he can do his thing. He can do his play-action fakes. He can duck down and come up and find Julio, get Calvin Ridley really, uh, – on a crossing route, you know, uh, the the having a running game is very important for him. And He knows that from uh, his rookie year when he had Michael Turner and was able to lead the Falcons to eleven and five with a, as a rookie. So he's best with his weapons are all firing, and if he's got a running game, then um, uh, you know he's pretty excited. He pretty excited today talking about Gurley and the energy he brings and how uh, infectious it is to the unit. So. If they can get after it in the run game, Matt knows that that's his his sweet spot and and the team's sweet spot uh, because they can really uh, put up some points throwing off of the
4: play-action space and so forth.
1: Hey, Orlando, man, we appreciate you taking time out of your day, staying up late for us. Uh, We look forward to a battle on Sunday. Take care, man. All
3: right, take care, Michael and Dave. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it.
1: All right, coming up next, we chat with new Seahawks receiver Philip Dorsett right here on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks Live every Thursday from seven to nine, live on air on seven ten ESPN Seattle.
1: You're listening to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bombas and with my guy Dave Wyman, every Thursday seven o'clock, we'll be here right here on 17 ESPN. And today we get to talk to Philip Dorsett. Philip, how you doing, man?
3: I'm doing good. How you
1: doing? I'm all right, man. Can't complain. Uh, first, let me welcome you to the Northwest. Have you found your favorite restaurant? Are you familiar with the highways? How's the the uh, the transition treating you?
4: Uh, it's going smooth so far. I haven't found a, a favorite restaurant yet. I'm still cooped up in my little in my little cocoon right now, I'm trying to quarantine as much as I can. But um, I'm, it's it's good. I mean, I'm 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 getting acclimated to the area, so I'm, I'm just glad to be here.
2: Philip, you, you see all this sunshine and warm weather. It's like this all the time, all the time.
4: <laughs> they, they they told me don't be fooled about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Welcome to Seattle, man. Uh, how how did camp go for you? How was that? Uh, you know, going to different teams. I I switched teams late in my career, and it's you know going through and getting the, the lingo down and the terminology and things like that. But uh, what's the process? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've you got a little experience. You went from Indy to New England and, and here to Seattle. But, uh, but how has the transition been here in Seattle?
4: Uh, it's been pretty smooth. I'm um, I just i was just trying to get acclimated to everything, just trying to learn everybody's names, um, <laughs> learning the playbook, and, and just going out there and just showing, showing everybody that you can be reliable. Um, you can be somebody that can help this team win. It's been going smooth, and uh, I'm looking forward to just keep going. I mean, every day I learn something new about somebody else. So um, I, I'm just I'm looking forward to just keep keep going and let this, this marathon continue.
1: Hey, Philip, you go from Tom Brady to Russell Wilson. Tom Brady's the GOAT. We all know that and recognize that. But then you go to Russell Wilson, another great. Um, what has What's the difference between the two, and what's the similarity between the two?
4: Um, like you said, I mean they're both they're both different. Obviously, Russ is a
1: is a guy that's mobile. Um, he can uh,
4: get in and out of the pocket, um, extend the play. Um, Tom is more of a pocket guy. Uh, we all know that. But at the end of the day, they're both similar because they both have that, that that desire to just go out there and win. They want to win every rep. They want to win every play. And um, they got that championship mindset. And uh, that's something that you got to have when you, when you play quarterback.
2: Well, and and I'll ask you the same thing about your your coaches. Now, I'll say this, Philip. I I think – I feel like Bill Belichick maybe gets a bad rap a little bit. I read uh, his book, um, Education of a Coach, and that's when I was like, I really started liking him. I – I think you know he's not great in the media and everything, but the difference between there, first of all, you know everybody thinks mm-hmm. he's this grump and you know all this, but maybe you can dispel that. But uh, the difference, kind of, uh, is sort of the the culture there versus mm-hmm. here. Obviously, both winning cultures.
4: Yeah, I mean we we all know it's the difference. We all know uh, Coach Belichick he runs he runs his program a, a certain way, but like you said, Bill Bill does get a bad rep because. He, he's he's obviously he's amazing, man. I, I love Coach Delete when he was there. I mean I think the media sees a different side yeah. of him than we see. Um I mean mm-hmm. he's, he's joking around, he's laughing, but obviously we know on the field he's he's we grind, it's it's tough. Um there's no secret to that. Um you, you get in what you put in. I mean you get out what you put in, so but um the culture I mean it's a completely different culture. I mean Pete Coach Carroll is all about going out there and competition and having fun. And and having swagger and everything, and um and I wouldn't sit here and say that there's there's not a bad way to do it. I mean, both both win. So I mean, Coach Carroll does it his way, and Bill does it his way, and they both work.
1: Hey, Philip, I'm a former receiver. I had a cup of coffee in the league with the Seahawks. Didn't do it on your level, but <laughs> I heard they were getting Phil Dorset and I, I looked at the film. I'm like, All right, let, let's see what Philip brings to the table. He can run the hitch, the slant, the go. I like the way you work your leverage at the top of your route. What do you feel like is the best part of your game as a receiver?
4: Um I mean, I feel like I feel like I can run the uh, the whole route tree. Um I I I'm, I'm experienced enough to know the ins and outs of the game and just try little, little tricks and trades that get you open here and now, but um obviously I I'm, I can run we all know there's no secret that I can run, and um that's one of the reasons why I came to Seattle because I feel like with Russ and um with with Shadi Carlman plays, I feel like they can utilize me running more and um that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to come to Seattle
2: hey Philip, tell us a, a little bit about yourself like uh what what you like to do you know it's always been my experience that offensive linemen are always the hunters and fishermen you know <laughs> uh you know receivers you know i don't know. i don't know if you can put them into into a group but uh what do you like doing off the field and have you been able to experience anything here i know we're in the lockdown and everything but out here in seattle yeah. what are you doing with your free time
4: um i like to i like to work out i work out a lot um i like to bowl i like to play pool do chill things go to the movies i'm a, I'm a movie fanatic i like to go to the movies once a week and just find a movie that that's out that i haven't seen um can't do any of that right now really but uh yeah. something I used to look forward to when everything was open
2: what what's your best bowling score
4: <laughs> ooh um I haven't bowled in a
2: while the
4: best i would say two around like 220 something
2: wow hey once you said two i'm like okay you're out of my league man <laughs>
4: yeah i used to i used to bowl all the time like literally every other day yeah. But I, I haven't been going as much.
1: Yeah. Hey, Philip, it's going to be a new environment on Sunday. You know, there's not going to be any fans out there. I told yeah. our, our producer, NASA Chobi I said it's going to be like JV football on a Wednesday or something like that. <laughs> you know, as far as atmosphere, um, what are you expecting and do you feed off the crowd? What, what are your expectations overall going into a stadium, playing a game, and having no one out there?
4: Um, I mean, it's, that's tough. I mean, it's going to be like practice. Um, it's just like what we go out there and do every day is gonna be like practice, but obviously you be playing against somebody else, another team that you that, that you don't know. So, I mean, we, we got to take it as, as that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a game, and there's another team that's that's in our way. We got to go out there, and we got to play as hard as we can to go out there and win. Um, we know the atmosphere isn't gonna be the same, but uh, hopefully they pump in some crowd noise and, and get us going a little bit.
2: Yeah, that's kind of weird. I want to ask you, it's kind of a follow-up on on that. Does it matter that people aren't there? Because, I mean, really what you, I mean, you're getting a reaction out of people, you know, a bunch of people, you know, 65,000 people. But in this case, it's going to be, you're going to get a reaction from a guy with a stereo (laughs) knob, you know, turning up the the, the fan noise. I I wonder if that's going to. If that's going to make a difference, you know, because, yeah. I mean, in between plays and stuff, you look up in the stands, there's yeah. nobody there. There's noise, but there's no people. It's it's going to be odd.
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be different for, uh, for other people. I mean, I can't I can't speak for everybody, but for me, I don't think it's going to be that much of of a difference. I know some people do feed off of the crowd. I know defensively a lot of people feed off of the crowd, uh, whether it's going out there making a big hit or a big play. I know um, the crowd gets – I mean, I've never played in at Seattle or in front of Seattle's Seattle fan, but I was looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we can get something going towards the end of the season, but I'm going to let them handle that. But um, I was looking for, definitely looking forward to playing in Seattle.
1: Hey, Philip, I, I saw on a stream um, the receivers went to, like, a random camera during training camp, and they were talking about who had the messiest lockers out of the <laughs> trainers. Uh, out of the receivers, excuse me. Where do you fall in that discussion, and who has the messiest locker as a receiver? Um, the messiest locker, I would
4: say Tyler. He's been there the longest, so he still got <laughs> all his stuff from like his rookie year in his locker. He got a lot of stuff that that needs to be thrown away, but uh, I guess he he keeps a lot of this stuff, and I wouldn't call it messy. It's just a lot of stuff in there.
1: Yeah, it sounds like, sounds like my uh, my mother-in-law's living room. Lots of stuff there. I was going to say, it sounds like yeah. my wife. Yeah, like, she's <laughs> never thrown anything away in her life. So, yeah, get Tyler on that. Hey, yeah,
2: right, Phil, I'm man, fine.
1: we appreciate you taking time, man. Good luck this season. I'm excited to see you play. Do your thing, man. The 12s will be rooting you on from home this year.
4: I appreciate that. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, we got you covered with all things Seahawks in the NFL. As a professor, John Clayton joins us next on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: You are listening to Hawks Live from VMAC. I'm Michael Bumpus along with Dave Wyman. Every Thursday we'll be here on 710 ESPN Seattle. And today... We get to talk to John Clayton. John, how you doing, man? I'm
5: doing great. How are you?
1: You know, I'm doing all right. It's football season. John, football's on TV. This is real. It's not a dream.
5: How are you doing? I'm doing great. Although, I mean, boy, Houston looks terrible right now. Oh! I mean, isn't it? uh, It's amazing to think how uh, we all figured Patrick Mahomes would rip up the uh, Texans' offense or defense. But what I'm amazed at is that there's hardly any response right now from an offense on Houston that has so much money invested. I mean, four receivers making a total of $44 million a year. They've got two offensive linemen, $11 million center, a $22 million left tackle, a $13 million running back, a $39 million quarterback, and they're just getting absolutely destroyed.
2: Wow. And early on, they were up 7-zip. It was like the playoff game a little bit. Yeah. And now they're coming back. Yeah, we saw Jacob Martin uh, get a sack. That was kind of... It was kind of sad for us. I agree. But but yeah, it's what's it like, John, watching the first game? I mean, do you feel like you know everything's normal? You're you're kind of hearing a little crowd noise. I got to watch maybe ten minutes of it or Mm -hmm. so before I came down here. But uh, get you fired up? It does. Yeah.
5: I mean, I'm, I'm very fired up by it because, again, you can see football. And I thought this was going to be a competitive game. But in reality, I know the odds makers had it at nine, nine and a half points. Yeah. And you figured that Kansas City was going to win, but not by this much. I mean, yeah. you know, I, as, and, and what you wonder about what's going on with Bill O'Brien? I mean, I know that the owner is scared of him because Bill's such a strong personality and he gets pretty much anything that he wants to do. Bill O'Brien does. But uh, <clears throat> right now. I mean, you know, they come back this week, they lose bad to Kansas City, they're losing bad right now, and then next week they play Baltimore, and they have two more tough games after that. I mean, they could start off 1-3, 0-4, and you're saying, wait a second, we've got all this money invested in this team, and it's terrible.
1: All right, John, let's talk about these Seahawks. You know, um, John Ursua was cut, and Penny Hart was put on the roster That surprised me. I talked to a couple people. It didn't surprise them. Were you surprised by that move or was it expected?
5: Well, no, because, again, it's like uh, I don't know if you observed anything because I didn't, and maybe that's my fault. I didn't observe anything that said Penny Hart is on the agenda. Uh, And, of course, I looked at John Ursua, and I thought I like him. Now, I can figure that maybe there was a chance that Freddie Swain had moved ahead of him. We knew that Ursua had the hamstring injury, but with Ursua, who I thought was going to be a guy they really wanted to try to get on the field, that uh, you know he would be the slot guy, a backup slot guy, and all that. But apparently, Penny Hart came out of nowhere and did such a good job. And so my guess is, because I was thinking, okay, is, it, is this a move that they have for Josh Gordon, maybe you know just saving a spot for him? there are gambling asua could clear waivers and of course he did because there's only 17 waiver claims this year or was it just a matter that maybe freddie swain bid him out but i think you know penny hart came out of nowhere did you sense in watching every practice that you saw enough out of penny hart you can see it because apparently they did
1: no john i've been on the Asura bandwagon since he stepped foot here and i heard whispers of penny doing okay but i thought because last year they activated Ursua a bunch of games so they wouldn't cut him and him get picked up. He made a play against the 49ers, got the Hawks down to the one. I thought he not a lock, but I, did, I just didn't see this move happening.
5: No, in a case of, with Ursua, I mean, when you look at his talent skills, I mean, you can see him doing a couple different things. I mean, one, I know he's not Debo Samuel, but I can see him doing jet sweeps. You can see him maybe doing some return stuff. And also, certainly, I mean, I thought he was going to be the second best guy behind uh, Lockett as a slot guy. But apparently, I guess uh, I was... I was missing on that, and maybe I'm just missing in practice. Now, you know how it is over there at the VMAC. You know, I'm a tier three guy uh, with a possible tier two, but, uh, you know, and we're standing like, you know, five feet away from the tier two guys, but usually they practice in the far end of the field near the water. And so I didn't see enough of the wide receivers. I certainly saw enough of the defensive linemen, but uh, I, I just missed on that one
2: well yeah i don 't think there was a whole lot to see i no. mean it was uh it, it was one of those where you know I think also we just talked to um, Philip Dorset, what a great guy yeah. you know and and a lot of that i mean look that may sound corny. But people, I mean, if it's all things are equal as far as talent goes, and I'm not saying John Arsua is a bad guy at all. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes you see something or hear something from a guy, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, they get to see a lot more than we do, that's for sure. We just see the tip of the iceberg when we're out there at practice. But, um, yeah, John, we were talking about a couple of the key players in Atlanta, and uh, I know we talked about that on our show, but one being uh, Todd Gurley and the other being Keanu Neal. Uh, what, when you go around, I know you every, every mm-hmm. year do like an analysis of, of every team and certainly the, the teams that the Seahawks are going to play, but uh, what do you think about Atlanta's year? What, what do you think their projected records going to be, and, and how are you feeling about those two players I mentioned?
5: Uh, I, I feel questionable about both because here's Todd Gurley, and you know he's got the knee injury. You know, he's got the problems with the arthritic knee, and it's not going to get better. I mean, I think that maybe if they handle it right, they can get you know 15 to 25 touches out of him and be productive. But it's not like he's he's going to have a hundred-yard rushing game. 50-yard pass receiving. I just don't see that happening. He can't get enough touches because of the knee. And then you look at Neal, who's a really good player, but he's had you know what ACL and Achilles, and that that comes back to haunt him. And then you wonder you know how that's going to fit in. And so uh, the bigger concern I think is a cornerback position because they're going to have to go with a rookie and Oliver, who is right now uh, struggling. And struggled last year to a point they wanted to get rid of him. You know that Desmond Trufant go because they didn't have the cap room to be able to keep him. And so I think they're vulnerable at the cornerback position. We'll see. If they, Neil Neil is a good player when he's healthy. Yeah. And of course, right now he's healthy. But uh, what you wonder about is there enough in the secondary to hold down the speed of the Seahawks and also the speed of other teams in the National Football League.
1: Hey, John, the Hawks made a lot of moves. Defensive line, uh, linebacker drafted number one. Got Jamal Adams in the secondary. Moves made on the offensive line. Have they done enough to be the favorites to win this division and one of the contenders in the conference?
5: Yeah, enough, I think, to be the slight edge because there's certainly a slippage right now in San Francisco, but not much. I mean, you know, they'll go from like 13 wins to 11, in my opinion, you know, because they're still pretty good in the defensive line, not as good without uh, DeForest Buckner. Uh, and my big concern, and this is, you know, and this is the thing we watched tonight with Houston. Okay, if you're vulnerable at the cornerback position, Or in the secondary, you've got problems, particularly in a league like this, that's getting faster at wide receiver, bigger at wide receiver, and of course, a little bit more, uh, you know, mobile quarterbacks that can run around and find a way to make plays. And what you look at is that they didn't do anything. I mean, you know, Witherspoon's been a disappointment. They got Emmanuel Mosley, who's okay. You know, you've got, uh, really, I think Richard Sherman and what might be his last year in the NFL. He's still one of the best in football. But is there enough right now to contain some of the passing uh, offenses in this league? You know, like, can they contain, like, even – uh, 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 Hopkins this year from Arizona in this week's game, so I, I I worry about that, and I worry about that the same thing from Atlanta, and so I think they're vulnerable right now at cornerback.
2: This year is such a mystery, John, and you know you, you mentioned Hopkins down in Arizona, and everybody just assumes that Kyler Murray is going to take the next step. We don't have any games to go off of in the preseason or whatever, but. Uh, you've been watching Hard Knocks, I know, and yeah. I know that you said Sean McVay's kind of the puppeteer for Jared Goff. I agree, but still, I, I still feel like the, the Rams have enough personnel: Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. You know, and and Goff is is good. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I still feel like they're going to be more in the mix than Arizona. I think Arizona is a good up and coming team, but. What, are, are we inflating our, our expectations for the Cardinals, or do you think that's legit?
5: No, I think the Cardinals right now are the most improved team in football. The question is, what does that translate into wins? Does that mean seven wins, eight wins, nine wins? It's not going to be above nine. I think it's more towards seven wins, which is a pretty big improvement for that team. But what I look at with the Rams, it's like it's like the same thing we're looking at to a certain degree, with the Texans. Okay, so uh, they put so much into the offense that uh, is there enough on defense because they had to sacrifice several players on defense, and they paid the price. You can see it in the secondary. And then you look at the Rams team that since the Super Bowl two years ago, a couple years ago, they've lost 11 starters on defense, a nickel cornerback, three offensive line starters, uh, Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley. And, and the only thing that they added this year was a bunch of draft choices, non-first round, and uh, basically, uh, you know, Leonard Floyd. Can that be enough to be able to stay ahead of Arizona? And I question it. I I know that offensively and the coaching, they can do a good job. But and you'll appreciate this, Dave. They let Wade Phillips go. How do you do that?
2: I know. Uh, you know, the biggest regret I had when when I went to Denver and signed there. I wish Wade had stayed the defensive coordinator instead of the head coach because he was not a good head coach no. and he was a really good defensive coordinator, and I felt like we'd we'd have won more games but you think he's done is
5: he no not at all I think you know it just comes down to I know there was a chance that he was going to get onto Philadelphia' staff. Uh, and some, somebody will pick him up. Yeah. I know I, You know, the one thing that's kind of interesting right now is that thanks to Marv Levy and other coaches, you don't worry about, okay, so he's 70, 71 years old. You know, it's like you know, like Pete Carroll, I still contend, is going to get one more contract with this team, probably a three-year deal, which I think is going to be fine. Because, you know, what used to be, uh, I mean, what what is it now, 70, 71, that's like the new 60.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, especially if you're Pete Carroll. I mean, he's oh, yeah. practically like a 40-year-old.
5: Right. Oh, yeah. It, it was funny because uh, I was going, going down and picking up the mail the other day. And, of course, you know, I'm, I'm literally a 10-minute walk, three-minute drive in the V-Mac. And, of course, I was like, oh, so they're practicing in the afternoon because I could hear the music. <laughs> and the music was great, as it always oh, is.
2: Oh, they're playing some funk?
5: Oh, absolutely. Seven, well, actually, this wasn't actually a funk song, but it was a good song. But uh, but, it, uh, but the one thing I know, because as I told Pete years ago, I said, Pete, you know, I can hear all the music if I just go on my deck or walk outside, right. and it's like uh, it's which is great. But the big, big thing is, don't play country because I'll dial nine one one and call the police. And he says we will not play country because again the beat doesn't help. This beat no. that we play helps.
2: Yeah, you don't want to hear about uh, lost girlfriends and no. dogs dying. No. And, no, yeah,
1: John. Something tells me you're you're a techno Thursday type of guy, John. Nah, I'm a
5: funk guy. I mean, come on. I go back to James Brown. I still, you know, growing up in the worst ghetto in uh, the state of Pennsylvania, and what was so great, particularly in junior high, I would sit back in the back of the room and uh, all the guys would take care of me because all we do is listen to Stevie Wonder and James Brown. I mean, I know it wasn't educational for me because uh, I'm, I'm paying attention more to the music than it was what they were teaching. But again, it was so great for me because that's what I grew up with.
1: Well, John, football's back. That means we're all going to talk to each other a lot more. Man, we appreciate you taking time out your
5: day. Hey, thank you, and I'll talk to you tomorrow, Michael.
1: Yes, sir. All right, is it finally time to let Russ cook? Dave and I set the record straight. Coming up next, right here
0: on Hawks Live. Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here's your host, Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus. Michael Bumpus and Dave Wyman here. Hawks live from
1: VMAC every Thursday at 7 on 710 ESPN. Dave, should the people or should the Hawks let Russ finally cook? And what does that mean? I think we have like three definitions for let Russ cook. Tell me what it means to you, and then I'll tell you what it means to me.
2: When you said people, it's because Jim calls them the cooking people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. that, That got stuck. I, it this annoys me it really does just because look I don't think it's ever going to change the formula and so I did a big breakdown of you know Russ when he passes 25 times or less and 26 plus and it was pretty remarkable how the win percentage went down when he's throwing more now I know that you know when you're behind you're going to throw more so that kind of skews the number but still I feel like the, the games where Russ is like 19 for 25 which is amazing yeah and two touchdowns and no interceptions I mean those are usually the the best performances and the best wins so it's just not what this team is about though so I mean but look can Russ you know they're letting him cook in some you know to some degree because like think about last year the the Rams game the throw to Tyler Lockett Yeah, I mean that's the kind of thing that they actually you know they embrace that they, they're like look you know there's gonna the pass rush is going to break us down sometimes and so Russ has to go on the move and he you know he they practice they I remember Pete saying they want to be the best scrambling team in the NFL and that was a perfect example of just a beautiful throw i don't think anybody else can make that throw you know you can talk about patrick mahomes lamar jackson deshaun watson you know aaron Rodgers. i mean i just think he's the best at making these ad-lib plays and so that's kind of what russell's about so i just don't see where first of all it's a winning form formula of how they run the ball and then i think russ is just a perfect complement of he's a great play action pass guy yep. I would say is the best. when I played it was Boomer Esiason it was really difficult to tell if they handed the ball off or not. And I think Russ is the best modern day play action pass guy. So with the tight ends and everything, and then a, the really good running game, that's really going to help Russ. But I just think that's who he is. Now, you guys just uh, you and NASA were talking during the break there about if you ran all of those plays that Kansas City is running and did mm-hmm. all that, could Russ make those throws? Yeah, 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 he could. But I, I just don't think that's the formula for this team. And when people want to, you know, try to put a different kind of offense, a different kind of thing. And, and by the way, even the national people are saying that. And these are the same national people that like five years ago said he was too short. Yep. So, you know, that, now all of a sudden everybody's paying attention and there's a lot more scrutiny. We heard a, a national analyst say that um, the Seahawks are actively subverting him. Meaning, you know, not getting him the weapons that he needs. And, like, why would you do that? The, the Seahawks have known what people are just figuring out now. yeah. And some of us fans have known this for a long time. So, instead of let Russell cook, I would just say leave Russell alone. <laughs> leave him alone.
1: You make, you make a good point. Let Russ cook. Can he do what Patrick Mahomes is doing? I think he can. But let Russ cook in his own kitchen. Right. His kitchen isn't the brand new 2019 home that's being built at Newcastle. You know, his kitchen is more like my grandma's kitchen with the old <laughs> pots and pans. Like it's not it's not going to look all sexy and is cute there a garbage disposal. There's a garbage disposal there. There's no there's a, a compactor, you know, yeah, an old you school go? compactor in there. <laughs> you know, that's that's my vision of letting Russ cook, Russ, let Russ cook, let him cook in his own way. Okay. And in this offense, to me, it means doing what you mentioned, the scramble plays. Right, letting him because a lot of guys don't have the green light to do what russell does a lot of guys the coach is going to tell you you get outside the pocket you read your backside if it's not there you get out of bounds or you throw it away that's not the way he's coached right it's you get outside the pocket nothing's there okay go be special go be special go make something happen go cook that's my version of letting russell cook and what people don't realize is for the first nine seasons when it comes to wins all-time quarterbacks russell is fourth on the list with 86 wins within the first nine seasons, he's only played eight. So he has one more season to play, and he's going to pass Peyton Manning at the top with 92 wins. Russell has 86 wins. That lets me know he's been cooking. You don't cook
2: without a good chef, and yeah. Russ is the chef, right? That's a great uh, comparison, the way, the way you put that. And, and the other thing, too, is you mentioned this, you know, Russ is fourth on this list. Look at the company that he keeps. Yeah. And, by the way, you have to keep in mind way less attempts i mean there there was a there was a uh, there's a stat every week that we that we look at and it 's like number of seasons with three thousand plus yards passing number of seasons with this many touchdowns number of seasons with this few interceptions and and you look at the the numbers like the pass attempts, Peyton Manning threw it like ten times more per game, yeah, so I mean Russ on some of these things he 's doing it so much more efficiently so but I think it's a great point. Like, that's Russell's kitchen, yep. is the ability. Because you're right, they shut down other quarterbacks. Other quarterbacks can't do that. Aaron Rodgers can't do that. Nope. You know, I mean, he's okay at it, but, you know, and maybe Mahomes. But I would still say, you know, other than Lamar Jackson, you know, maybe maybe Deshaun Watson, but, you know, the other quarterbacks that are in this in this category, they can't do those kinds of things. And I think Russ gets the green light on those things. So, I, I think what needs to happen probably is, you know, for, for Russell to – I think the offense will continue more and more every year to flow through him. You know, and it's like he's almost like an offensive coordinator. And Schottenheimer and him are working together on that. And I think – you know, and going up-tempo sometimes, you know. I, I would say this to the up-tempo people too. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you end up getting in not a great situation. You know, if you take the whole clock, it's gonna. You know, you're allowed to get good matchups in there, and maybe get a mismatch. Also, motion and things like that. So, those kinds of things can sometimes be a detriment to your offense. So, I just, I would just say, like I said, leave <laughs> Russell alone. <laughs>
1: leave him alone. All right, are you ready? I gotta. I got some more wordplay. Okay, so let Russ cook. Right. Yes. Now he's got more ingredients to cook this year. There we go. He's got Greg Olson. He's got Philip Dorsett. Josh Gordon's gonna be back. He's got a new offensive line. So I think people just need to realize what it looks like when Russell does this thing. He, this is an offense that works. This is a organization that has had success over the past ten years. Why would you switch it up now? Now, I think they'll open up the playbook a bit, especially when Josh Gordon gets there. You got Will Disley's going to be back. Greg Olsen, you add uh, Carlos Hyde. So he's got some weapons to work with. I'm excited to see what he does. Now, let's look at some more stats. Most games with four touchdown passes and one or fewer interceptions in the first nine seasons, Russell Wilson is on that list. He's got ten of those games, and he's only played eight seasons, so he has one more season to play to try to beat Peyton Manning, who's at the top of that list with thirteen. Aaron Rodgers with twelve, Dan Marino with ten. So yeah. he's on pace to to do exactly to be a great quarterback, right? And it just doesn't it just doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes. I think that's what people are kind of getting caught up on right now. Yeah,
2: well, totally. And and this is, I mean, again, look at the company he keeps. Dan Marino, Donovan McNabb, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Brett Favre. I mean, you know, Andrew Luck. While he was good, but I mean, Johnny Unitas is even in here on this list. So, Johnny, U. Uh, by the way, I think you sit around thinking way too much about the the cooking. Thing. You got your grandma's kitchen. In grandma's there, kitchen. And now you're talking about ingredients. Ingredients. I like that though. That's it's it's true. And you know, I think you you're getting in some really good targets. I, I feel like. The one guy I'm really rooting for, just to stay healthy, just stay healthy, Will Disley. If he can just yeah. stay healthy, and I know we've been talking a lot about Greg Olson, but yeah, I think you know early on it didn't look like he was going to get all of the targets and everything, or uh, uh, receivers and that, that he really wanted, but it all of a sudden is starting to come together that Russ has plenty of people to throw the ball to. Yep,
1: Yes, he does, and we'll see it. All right, coming up next, we'll go inside the film room and take a deeper look at the Falcons and see who the Seahawks need to stop to be 1-0. That's around the corner on Hawks
0: Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: That's right, you're listening to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus, along with Dave Wyman. Every Thursday we're here on 710 ESPN at VMAC. All right, so now we're going inside the film room. This is where a lot of coaches spend time, a lot of players. If you really love the game, you dissect your opponent, and that's exactly what Pete Carroll and the gang did this week to get ready for the Atlanta Falcons. How do you stop Julio Jones? I mean, this guy had 10 catches for 154 yards against the Hawks last year. He's had six straight seasons with over 80 catches and 1,300 yards. I think you can only hope to contain him. Here's a clip of what he did last year
6: job with the play fake, deep in his own territory, hit as he throws. But Jones makes the catch and breaks a tackle on the near sideline all the way out to the 35-yard line. It's going to take more than one to bring him down. And that time he picked up 25. The Falcons were under their own goalposts, and they get out of there in a hurry.
1: Now, play-action comebacks are big in this Atlanta offense. That's why I think the addition of Todd Gurley is going to be great because it's really going to sell the play-action even more. What do you do to stop a guy like Julio, Julio Jones, Dave?
2: Well, I think you got to double him. And, you know, it's kind of interesting when we talked to Orlando uh, Ledbetter from uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He was talking about how, you know, yeah, he doesn't catch a lot of passes in the red zone or touchdowns because everybody's doubling him. And so the other receiver always ends up kind of, you know, getting getting those throws. But, you know, I, I just remember every week with let's say you're going to run – cover you know you're going to run cover one which is man-to-man coverage you've got a free safety deep there's always a guy that you keep your eye on like who do i need to help and you know you need to help the guy who's who's covering julio jones so (laughs) that that's you know probably what you do but i I feel like he's just going to get his numbers you just try to minimize them as as much as you can but it'll be really uh that's going to be a great matchup to watch whoever's playing, whether it's Trey Flowers or Quentin Dunbar or Shaquille Griffin or, you know, maybe one of the safeties because, you know, Julio Jones is, he's one of those special players. I mean, you look at, he's 6'3", he's 220 pounds. Receivers are the most ridiculous athletes in the world. Thank you, Dave. Hey, Dave, I appreciate that, Dave. He's going to get a big head now. (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, and also uh, some of the biggest divas in the world. That I, is true. Do you accept that? I accept you that as well. You are not a diva, though. I just want to <laughs> make everybody know, our listeners know, that Bump is not a diva. But, no, I mean, look, you're out there. This is why corners get paid ridiculous amounts of money like Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, because you're out there covering some of the best athletes in the world as far as they can run, they're big, they're strong. They're guys like DK Metcalf and Julio Jones. So, you know, that's, uh, I, I think that the big problem is how much do you pay attention to him? Yeah. You know, and I'm sure he's had a lot of games where he's kind of been the decoy and other, and this is why he doesn't have a lot of touchdowns. I mean, he's only got six touchdowns per year, and if you look at the number of you know the yardage that he's amassed over the years it's it's not it's not the same it's not where it should be as far as touchdowns go but he just draws lots of attention so that guy is uh and he's always been a good guy the thing i really liked about him last year was after the seahawks played them they were one and seven and he kind of gave a big impassioned speech about you know Dan Quinn and kind of helped save his job yeah you know, and I think Julio Jones, when he speaks in that locker room and I think the ownership and everything, they hear him. And so, you know, I think that was one of the cooler things that he did. And I think because we all love Dan Quinn, he's a good man. But, you know, that was uh, that was cool of what he did. So that's that's just one of the the better players right there in the NFL of, you know, at any position.
1: Yeah, I broke down film with Julio. He can catch a screen and take it to the house. He can run the goal ball. He can run across the middle. He moves into the slot. He creates mismatches. He can run the short stuff. Everything you ask a receiver to do, he can do. And he does it at a high level, except score touchdowns, but that allows everyone else around them him to eat a bit so i understand i'm and he's, he's selfless you hear about his work ethic he's humble all the things you want in a player is what you hear about julio jones so it's nice to hear that a guy at his superstar level remains humble and works his butt off so now what todd Gurley do we see do we see the 2019 todd Gurley? do we see the guy who was an mvp candidate who who led this team to a super bowl um i don't know Dave. and here's a clip of what he did last year
6: From their own 43, golf under center. Wouldn't be a bit surprised to see Gurley get the ball here. Slot to the near side, and Gurley does get it. Goes left side. Has some running room, and he's going to go for the first down, and he's going to go all the way for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? 57 yards on a third down and 20, and Todd Gurley to the house.
1: Dave, I remember that play. Third down and 20, and he takes it to the house. That is the danger that Todd Gurley presents. Now, are we going to see that Todd Gurley, and there's something about guys going to a different team that rejuvenates you. Yeah. You know about that. What, what's it like going to a different team? Does, does it get you going? I mean, what's the mentality of a player?
2: Well, I mean, you feel like the team before you – I mean, your old team kind of kicked you to the curb. Yeah. And you want to prove everybody wrong. So, you know, how about Rabel calling that? He goes, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gurley get it, and then off he Boom. goes for a touchdown. But, yeah, I mean – it. He, there's kind of two different versions of Todd Gurley. So, to answer your question, man, I, I don't, I don't know which one we're going to get. That's the big mystery. And I talked to two people now uh, from Atlanta, and they, they both said that's what all they've been talking about. There, yeah. right? We're talking about let Russell cook here. They're talking about which version of Todd Gurley are we going to see? So, you know, I, I just fear that it's going to be the the good version, and <laughs> I, I, I'm just hoping that uh, you know. A big problem for the the Seahawks last year was run defense, and we haven't talked a lot about that because it was a lack of sacks and things like that, but run defense suffered a little bit last year, so that's going to be a, a challenge for them if he's back to be in that kind of guy. The thing is, you know, I think in camp you rest a guy, you're probably going to see the good version of him because Orlando Ledbetter told us that, look, he's, he's resting, you know, and when he's well-rested, he's okay. I think what happens is he starts to get – broken down a little bit but in week one I'm sure they took really good care of him and it's going to be tough because you know the Seahawks know this better than anybody that guy can he can do everything catch the ball out of the backfield he's a really a good receiver but he's also a really good running back so they're gonna have to be on it that's one of the
1: most fascinating things about week one the first thing is everybody's healthy for the most part. Yeah. You get dinged up in camp, it's, but especially this training camp, they take care of guys. And two, you have so much time to prepare for a team that they're going to have to dig into the archives to throw something at you that you not, you're not really ready for. It, you know. So uh, I appreciate that about week one. I'm interested to see what the tackling looks like. You're going to try to tackle a guy like Todd Gurley and Julio Jones. You haven't gotten these live reps. What special teams going to look like? So there are some questions there, but I appreciate week one because for the most part, everybody is fresh. So now they picked up a guy, Dante Fowler, from the Rams, who had 11.5 sacks last year and did not make the Pro Bowl, which kind of leaves me scratching my head a bit. But he's going to be a problem. They had 28 sacks last year, bottom of the league with the Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. So they're trying to get better there. Here's a clip of Dante Fowler.
6: Russell looks at the blitz, steps up, avoids it, gets hit again. Now he's going to go down just across the 40-yard line. It's Dante Fowler Jr. who finally gets to him, and that's a coverage sack because Russ had a, about a split second to look and see, and there was just nobody there. And now clock is going to tick down. Russ is not going to try to stop it.
1: Dave, when I look at film of Dante Fowler, I see a guy who's not really explosive, but he's long, and he just – Keeps getting at you. Keeps getting at you. Never gives up. What do you like about this dude?
2: Well, I liked him when he was in Jacksonville, and he is uh, just—he's one of those good talented edge rushers that I just hope he's lined up across from Dwayne Brown you know <laughs> I mean and look we'll see with Brandon Shell. I mean I've heard really good things about him he's really long so you know that's that's good and he's looked really good in practice but yeah I thought I've always thought Fowler's kind of an underrated and certainly he was last year 11 and a half sacks and didn't make it to the Pro Bowl but yeah that was a good pickup for them so look it's you know, I think everybody thinks that our offensive line is just going to be totally out of sorts. You've got a bunch of veterans out there. Other other than the rookie, you've got guys that have experience, yep. and they have played NFL football. Now, it's going to be tough with the, the fits as far as in the running game and, and things like that, but, but also, you know, that Russ has – an ability to, to avoid pass rush, unlike I, I think any other quarterback in the league. So, but uh, yeah, there's a couple of challenges, and that's the thing. You, it's funny when you go and you think, "Yeah, hey, you should beat this team," right? Yep. And then you start digging into their roster, and you're like, "This guy's good, that guy's <laughs> good, this guy's good." So, yeah, there you go. Dante Fowler is going to be he's going to be him and Grady Jarrett up top. I th- up top uh, in the front of that defense. I think they're going to be the two probably biggest problems they have. Well, Dave told me once
1: upon a time, he says, everyone is good in the NFL. You just got to have the right combination. So we'll see if the Atlanta Hawks have the right combinations. All right, coming up, why is and Clowney no longer a Seahawk? I'll get Dave's thoughts as we go around the NFL coming up next on
0: Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live from VMAC. I'm Michael Bumpus,
1: along with my guy, Dave Wyman. Every Thursday, 7 o'clock, we are here on ESPN 710. So, Dave, now we go around the NFL. And let's just get this out the way. Clowney going to Tennessee. What are your thoughts on that?
2: We don't have to talk about him anymore. Boom. <laughs> no, you know what's going to happen? We're going to talk about him if he gets, like, 15 sacks, of course. yeah. yeah. That's going to come up. Because what, what's his high? Like, 9, 8, something like that? I think he's 8 or 9. You know, he had 3 last year. So, you know, that that whole thing was really weird. I just thought the way they ended that, that it was going to be, you know, he's, he wants to come back here. He wants to be with a winner. I think the, the Seahawks appreciated that he played through an injury, played through his – you know sports hernia and all the all of his teammates liked him and I just thought it was going to be one of those things they could work out and just couldn't so it seems like he could have he could have done a little bit better I I feel kind of bad for Jadavian Clowney because with now he signed a one-year deal with Tennessee now they got a chance look that's a good team well coached he likes Mike Vrabel the head coach but you know, next year the salary cap may go down. And so for a guy like that, it may actually, you know, hurt him. He may get, like, some bad luck that there's not money available. And so it's just, you know, it's funny how some guys get paid based on a really, you know, the timing yep. of, you know, what's happened and, you know. One of the guys I've looked at, like Matthew Stafford, like he he got drafted
1: right before, right before, mm-hmm. they put the
2: salary cap on the rookie guys. What he got, like fifty million guaranteed, yeah. something crazy like that, right? And so, and then now, you know, he's reaping the benefits of the new CBA and everything. And then some guys get unlucky, and I think Jadavian Clowney falls in that category.
1: He does, and I want to remind people, I'm like, yes, it would be lovely to have him on this team, but end of the day, this is a business, and. Sometimes business deals don't go the way you want it to. Sometimes they go better than you think. Sometimes they go worse than you think. And he put himself in a position to where he felt like he had leverage, so he held out. And, unfortunately, it didn't work out the way he wanted it to. It didn't work out the way the Hawks wanted to. But he's employed. He's got a one-year deal, and he'll have a chance to make more money along the line. We'll see what happens with Jadavian Clowney. All right, so now the real question, Dave. Now, the Hawks have had a chance to win this division a couple years and fell short. Is this the year? Have they done enough to be better than the San Francisco 49ers? and win this division
2: well i i think so and you know the other day i was doing my my prediction i have them at 13 and 3 okay and i, I don't think i've ever predicted the seahawks to be that high now maybe it's because i'm cooped up in my house because of covid 19 <laughs> and i'm going crazy but the things that i'm seeing out on the field and you know i'd ask you this you know and pose this question to seahawk fans i mean would you take jadavion Clowney or or jamal adams so to me i mean it, it's clear to me jamal Adams, yeah i'll probably go jamal yeah the safety the safety play in this defense is really important we saw that last year firsthand with Quandre Diggs. We talked to him today on the huddle. I love Quandre Diggs. Yeah. You know, we he, we brought up the weather up here. He goes, yeah, it's gloomy, but so am I. <laughs> I I'm gloomy. <laughs> I like it. I love that about him. But, yeah, it, also he's bringing back the word dope. Dope. So that's back from the 90s. Yeah. Man, back when I thought I was cool. Yeah, so <laughs> he, he said it's dope up here. But, no, I, I love the way that, I mean, he proved that, look, once the safety play – improved that we started getting turnovers and you know the corners felt better and everything so Jamal Adams and and don't sleep on Quandry Diggs I mean he may end up having just as good of a year as as Jamal Adams but yeah I, I will take him I will take safety play over pass rush any time. This defense here in Seattle over the years has not been about ridiculous sack totals. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at Pittsburgh. They'll get 55 in the high 50s sometimes. I mean, Buffalo, I remember one year, they had like 58 sacks. I mean, the Seahawks are always about 40, but it's about takeaways. And that's the most important thing in playing defense that's the point it's not to stop the other team and make a punt it's to take the ball away and so during the a stretch where Quandre Diggs came in and played really well they had 16 of their 32 takeaways in a five-game stretch where he was playing well and he was a big part of all of those so that that to me is is the big thing and that kind of puts the whole clowny thing to rest for me but it also makes me really positive and and think that this defense is going to be much improved and this was the number nine offense scoring-wise last year. Yep. If they can just stay healthy, bump. Uh, that's the thing I think killed him. Disley and Carson, those two players, can you imagine if they had those guys late in the season?
1: Disley, Carson, Michael Kendricks was banged up later on in the season. Yep. There are a lot. And I think that if they are 100% healthy, which how many teams are that late in the season, um, I think they have a chance. So, we focus on the Northwest. Let's go to the Northeast. Now, this is a interesting relationship to me, Cam Newton and Bill Belichick. I'm, I'm like, how is this going to work? Cam is just the complete opposite of Bill. I've seen video of him dancing at practice. I'm like, does, does Bill even allow dancing at practice? Like, what's going on here? How do you think that relationship is going to work? My opinion, I think that. Cam is going to give Bill something he needs, and Bill is going to give cam
2: something he needs. I think we're going to find out a lot about both of those guys you know and i've I've been somewhat critical of Cam Newton, not his skills but just sort of his leadership yeah, I, I feel like he's been kind of a powder at times so and then you know I think with Belichick and we heard it from Philip Dorset earlier that you know he's not as bad as everybody thinks Bill belichick so but I saw that same thing. I thought it was so <laughs> funny because you know you see a picture of of Bill Belichick scowling with his cut off, you know, <laughs> hoodie, and then you see Cam Newton doing some <laughs> weird dance during stretching or whatever. So, but I, I think they're. It sounds like they're gonna they're gonna get along, and we're gonna see we're gonna see them in week two. I think it'll be really interesting to see, it. not only that, but also what Brady does down in Tampa. Yes, you know, what, what do you think is more interesting, Brady in Tampa oh, or man. Belichick with Cam Newton in New England?
1: Man, I. I... I gotta go with Belichick with Cam yeah. because Belichick had probably the most straight edge square. I'm going to wear this certain type of pajamas. I'm going to eat this. <laughs> like just he had just a different type of dude to where I feel like Cam Newton is more of a modern type quarterback to where he has different interests you know I don't I don't think Cam's on the golf course. You know, I don't think he's at the country club for lunch. So, Bill's going to be exposed to some different things. I think when Tom goes to Tampa Bay, everyone conforms to Tom, whereas Bill and Cam have to kind of mesh to make this thing work. So, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? What's more, what's more interesting to you?
2: I want to see if Brady is really that great. I like that. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean – He's got some weapons down there. I like certain pieces on their defense. I mean, I I think it's overblown thinking that they're all of a sudden going to go to the Super Bowl just because Tom Brady showed up, yeah. but I think that's, the, that's pretty interesting. Look, Bill Belichick, I read his book, Education of a Coach. I would recommend it. It was written by David Halberstam, and it, it's a really well done, and it, it'll make you like Bill Belichick. It'll actually make you like him. So... Yeah, that, that, that's a good story, though, and, that, and we're going to get a – we're not playing Tampa this year, but we're going to get New England and see what that's like in uh, is it week two or three. I think they come here. Week two. come back in week two, yeah, first home game.
1: All right, real quick, MVP, is Russell in the running? Does he get a vote this year? He's never gotten a vote. How do you feel about
2: Russell and MVP? Well, I just don't think he's made for that. Like all of these records that we talk about, Russ is a lifetime achievement guy. I mean, he's gonna go <laughs> on the pro uh, the pro football hall of fame yeah he is one of those guys that you're going to look back and go my gosh look at the wins look at what he has done and that really is all that matters to him but i'm not sure if he's going to be able to put up the flashy numbers yeah so i mean he can but i don't think they're going to do it in this offense but i like at least that people in the national sense are starting to recognize it mm-hmm. a little bitter about the fact that they didn't notice it <laughs> until now now they're jumping on the bandwagon but at least they're not saying he's too short anymore so, which was just ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I, I feel like he's – I don't think that's his destiny. I don't think he's destined for that, but he's destined for wins. He's
1: destined for wins. All right, coming up next, we'll give you our final thoughts and the Seahawks keys to victory right here on Hawks Live. Michael Bump is Dave Wyman.
0: Hawks Live every Thursday from 7 to 9 live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Hawks live from VMAC. I'm Michael Bumbas along with Dave Wyman. Every Thursday we're here on ESPN 710 at 7. It's the first weekday. This is really happening. I'm so excited. I was close to thinking thinking that this wasn't going to happen, that the football season might not happen. But we're here. We're ready to go. So, final thoughts. What do the Hawks need to do to get this win on Sunday? Me, I think the Falcons averaged 85 yards rushing last year. You add Todd Gurley, they're probably going to exceed that this year. I think if you keep Todd Gurley under 100 and keep Julio Jones around 100, you have a legit chance to win this game. What do you think?
2: Yeah, that's a good – I mean, look, on defense, you always you always start with stop the run first. Yeah, You know, so – but, yeah, I just uh, – it, it's going to be so – I, I keep sitting here checking myself going, am I just – buying into the hype or just what i've seen and is it because i've only watched the seahawk practices and i haven't seen but i just i really like this roster i really like who they they have gone and, and gotten and i just kudos to schneider for you know making the the moves that he has to get a guy like jamal adams in. Yeah. and i'd never even thought about a move like that Jake Heaps is actually the guy that brought it up. You know, that, he brought hey, up the
1: Jamal Adams trade.
2: Yeah, wow, absolutely. He was like, uh, "I guess he's he's not happy there." And and you know how guys are now. I mean, they some of them are friends, and you know they're texting each other and everything. So I, I'm really excited for this season. I like I said I, on the. You know, it's funny, the other day I I predicted they were going to be 13-3, and and uh, every show was like, listen to what Wyman said, like I'm a crazy man or something. Maybe I am, (laughs) maybe I am, but usually I'm pretty conservative and think, hey, hopefully on the upside they can be that. But I just, I I feel like, it's funny, we put together a top 20, uh, who are the the top 20 Seahawks this year? Mm -hmm. And I went, you know, with, I went with, of course Russell is yep. number one. I put Jamal Adams as number two. And usually I would put Bobby Wagner there. Really? You
1: put team. Jamal at two. Yeah,
2: and I put Bobby at three, but number four was Chris Carson and number five was Will Disley. So those two guys I think are were so important last year. So think about this man. Last year with a decimated running back core and no real tight I mean the tight end situation wasn't great. You had Hollister, who came in and did well, did really well. But he's more like a receiver than than anything. They were one foot away from winning the NFC West. So, and that's the team that went to the Super Bowl, the Niners. So, you know, I feel like they match up well against the 49ers. It's going to be health. Health on the offensive side and then defensive side, uh, Jamal Adams being what we've seen out here at practice. I'm telling you, Bob, I have never (laughs) seen a guy practice better. Than Jamal Adams, wow, never seen it I mean, and the thing I love about it too is they're going through they're not tackling to the ground, but when he gets back there and you know touches a guy like I, I'm gonna tackle you, he makes sure everybody knows about it, and he's <laughs> yelling and screaming, and he's creating lots of uh, lots of uh, juice out there so uh, I've I just think they're going to be much improved from last year. They were 11 and 5 last year. That's
1: that's what gets me. Like I look at this team, they are definitely better than last year's right. team. And that team was 11 and 5 with all the injuries, with all the things they went yeah. through. They were 11 and 5. So everything in me wants to agree with you and say 13, but I'm going to go safe and say 12 wins. I'm going to say 12
2: wins. <laughs> That's I'm, I'm, still pretty good, though. But 100. Right? 12 wins. That's it, getting you in the playoffs.
1: It gets you in the playoffs. It might win the division. I think they're getting better. They're, I think they're better than the 49ers on paper right now. Yeah. But the thing is, paper is paper. Paper doesn't line up and, and play ball games. Sounds you great. still have to go out there and get it done. Um, I think for them to go down to Atlanta, they have to become a tight team. I think they already are a tight team. But the tightest teams, the tightest organizations I feel are going to have the most success this year because you can't feed off the crowd. It's really right. you and yours against them and theirs. Yeah. And I will take the Seahawks against anybody when that's the situation, especially because you look at these guys, they love being out here. I've been in training camps. My, uh, we were 4-12 and 12 when I played, and no one liked being out in training camp. No one liked hanging out. Yeah, two or three guys who hung out. But these guys, it's just a different feel out here. It feels like a winning team.
0: Right.
2: Well, and the other thing, too, is I don't know if you got this but, uh, that feeling, but when you win on the road – yeah. That's like that's a bonding moment because not only, you know. That you, plane ride home. Woo. Oh, it did great. Yeah. I mean, not only that, you, you spend time on the bus with your guys. You spend time on the plane. Like a home win, everybody splits and goes their different ways, yep. right? Yep. And maybe a few guys get together, but that's the thing I love about the road win. So this would, would really help sort of gel these guys. Plus, you know, they've been through some stuff this year. You know, they had the practice that they sat out of, and they had a, a big meeting about that. I feel like they've they've really come together as a team and uh and you listen to guys like philip dorsett who we talked to tonight you know they they feel like this is a really good close team that stuff matters it does it totally does because if you care about your teammates and care about them more than you care about yourself it's going to work for you so i think a lot of people think it's corny you know okay can the guy run a 40 can he do this and that but if you have guys that are close and care about each other that makes a huge difference so it's real it's a yeah. It's a well put together team from that regard too. I would I would encourage people to think about
1: your four best friends. When you guys get together, it just flows right. Everything's good. It's in motion. You bringing a someone else into the group, uh, it, it still flows a bit, but it's a little off. Yeah. And and that's the feeling that these guys have right now is that everyone's together, and it flows, and they're talented. I'm sure there are close teams who are garbage, who just aren't very good team, but they're close. Hey, I was on a 2-14 and 14 team. We were really, really close. <laughs> but you have to be talented when yeah. you add the talent to the closeness, and then you have Pete Carroll leading the charge. I mean, he is one of the most – player coaches i've ever been around now when i was in high school i committed to usc just because of Pete carroll and the way he treated his players ended up going to wazoo but his relationship with his players alone made me believe in what he was doing so i think they're heading on the right track i think it's going to be nice now they've only won one game on the road for a home opener under Pete carroll
2: so there's another challenge Uh, are they talking about that in the locker room do you think well, I don't see how. Just because, you know, last year, I mean, they were 7-1 and on the road last year. The only game they lost was one of the shorter trips. It was down to L.A. And uh, so th- that became kind of a thing last year. Like, they got kind of a chip on their shoulder about that. And then, you know, when you talk about that, like, I was in Denver. I mean, they could have won that game, you know, when in 2018. Yeah. I mean, those are just – things that get said. That's not a real thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, you haven't won this many. You know, you could easily say, "Well, they're due to win one." I mean, come on. That that kind of stuff every team has a totally different feel, a different personality, and I feel like this team's going to have a really good vibe. I feel like everybody gets together. Everything you talk to, it's a good group of guys. They want to win. I mean, look at their leader. Russell Wilson, we're talking about M V P and all that stuff. Yeah. He doesn't care about that. He really doesn't. You think he doesn't care about I, it? I really do. I really do. You don't I'll, think he he, he lays think,
1: down, pillow talk with wifey and say, Baby, I want this MVP?
2: I don't I really don't think so. I think he's like, That would be nice, but I want to win. Yeah. And I try to trip him up all the time, Russell and I'm always like, Dang it, I thought I would get him this time. Like, Russ, what's the most important thing to you? You know, you know, lack of interceptions, I mean, try to distract him yeah. a little bit. He's like, I want to win. I'm like, okay, I believe you, man. Yeah. And it's not phony. It's definitely not. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things. Yeah, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. And I, I like getting respect and everything. But you know this, Michael. I, NFL players, I was this way too. You like being disrespected. I want to yes. be disrespected. When I went to Denver, people were talking about, oh, what are you? You're from Seattle. Who are you? And I was getting some, you know, heat from guys and from the, the paper. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Go ahead and underestimate me. So <laughs> I, I just think, yeah, I, I hope that, that that continues to just motivate Russ. And, you know, that's not what he's about. He is all about uh, winning. And, you know, I just feel like what I've seen, there's no doubt in my mind that if this defense had stopped Green Bay last year, yep. it probably would have had to have been like a 75-yard play or a drive. I, I feel like Russ was going to drive the ball down the field and win that game for us. Yeah. If, um, he, if he had the opportunity, I don't think there's any doubt. No, nope. and, that's, and that's tough to say.
1: No. Nope. I believe you.
2: I believe you, Dave. Well, hey, All right. week
1: one, Let's first go. session is in the books. I'm Michael Bumpus. That's Dave Wyman. Big ups to our producer, Nash Echobie. Matt Harden working the board. Thank you, Orlando Ledbetter, for joining us. John Clayton as well. This is Hawks Live. We're just getting started. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you guys next week, Thursday, 7 o'clock.
0: Tune in. We'll be here. Have a great one. Hawks. Live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Download the 710 Sports app to get breaking news notifications on the Hawks and read the latest analysis on the Hawks at 710sports.com.